Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Jags Den Podcast. I am your host and managing editor of the Jaguars Wire, James Johnson, a.k.a. Sports underscore done, Sports Grind underscore done, that is, on Twitter. And also, of course, you all know where to follow us online, and that is jaguarswire.usatoday.com. So we're coming to you live on a Sunday night, June the 16th, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, Phil, who uh, couldn't join us today to host the show, uh, is a father. So shout outs to him. And uh, he's probably out somewhere doing something with his, with his daughters. So we're going to leave Phil B. But in the meantime, I got my man Jacob DeLawrence to join me, a contributor of the Jaguars. Why are my man? Welcome back. I still don't get the Mace music. Like, man, I, I'm going to need somebody to renegotiate my contract because... I just feel like this should be here when I come back after being gone for a little bit, man. You know what, man? You you if you can have if you can have Mace on the podcast, we, we'll make that work. <laughs> Get Mace on the podcast. <laughs> ensure that he won't sue us for using his music. We'll talk nah, some man, sports with him, and then there's loopholes. We just play it in the background, and it becomes amb- ambiance music. It, there's all kinds of legal That's loopholes, true. but yeah, man, I'm doing good. It feels good to be back. Uh, the dynamic duo is here. It is Batman and Batman because I play Robin and nobody, and I don't think you do either. So <laughs> right, hey man, right. look, it's two Batmans. It, it happened in the comments. Okay, so hey. <laughs> Yeah, man. Feels good to be back. And um, fortunately, Phil is not with us tonight. He is out playing. Well, let me phrase that. He is out being dad today and like he is every day. So he decided to push us to the side. And that's OK. <laughs> we we understand. So we'll allow it this time. Yeah. It's like I said, man, you know, feels so bad at his job. He has to make up for it on Father's Day, you know, and be the best dad he can. But, you know, that's neither Damn. here nor there. <laughs> Damn, I tried to spare him and you just you know what? All right, cool. This is how we're starting off today. We're messing up our own Twitter handles and we're taking shots at Phil. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jackson Podcast, people. Glad we could have you here. <laughs> but no, Phil, man, he ever since I've known him, man, he's been nothing but a quality dad, in all honesty, man. And that goes back to oof, what, five, six years, man. So uh shout outs to him. Hope he's enjoying his day as the, as are the uh, rest of the dads out there um, that, you know, have kids and, uh, you know, that it's been a lot of their weeks working hard to make ends meet for the family. So shout outs to them once again. Um, as for the site handles, you can all find us on Twitter, most notably at Jags Den Podcast for the podcast at the Jaguars Wire for the Jaguars Wire. You already know mine is sports grind underscore done, as I said, underscore Jadella for Jacob and Phil is Phil the Filipino. So 
feel free to throw us some follows on Twitter as well as follow us on Facebook as well. We're pretty easy to find on there. That's at the Jaguars Wire. And in terms of where you can listen to archive episodes of the Jags, then you can find us on us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Radio Public, Deezer, and most notably Audio Boom, which we are on the USA Today Network without comrades. So feel free to check them out as well so that being said we're gonna get right into it we really don't have a lot to talk about because we're at that stage where the team is gone for five weeks uh, before training camp they just wrapped up mini camp but nonetheless jacob has a few quick hits where we could wrap up on the jaguars wire and uh yeah my man have at it uh, yeah, minicamp mini ended Thursday, like you just mentioned. And because the Jacksonville Jaguars just have this obsession with signing receivers, guess what <laughs> we went and did? We went and signed veteran receiver Trey McBride, and we also picked up defensive tackle Kalani Bakamilio. Apologies for butchering that. Yeah, I should have put the pronunciation in there. It was on jaguars.com, the um, pronunciation, and I forgot to put it in the outline. Uh huh. Yeah, great, great job there, boss. Appreciate you. I come back, you got me looking bad. That's okay though. And in order for us to sign those, we waived linebacker Nick DeLuca and long snapper Christian Cunts. Yeah, DeLuca was a little surprised, man. Like they had him playing like legit taking defensive snaps last year, but that's neither here neither there, I guess. I mean, he probably just got waived, went back, probably signed him to the practice squad, move him up, and adjust as casualties happen. Yeah, we shall see. Um, yep. But yeah, two additions there. Um, I, I think um I'll just go with his first name. Kalani is a guy um when I drafted Oregon State, uh roughly six three, uh three hundred and twenty, somewhere in that range. So, you know, we we're looking at a guy who's a, probably a one technique nose tackle, you know, is gonna get a shot to um you know, probably he at best become a practice squad guy. Uh Trey McBride's been around in the league for uh Roughly five, six years, if I'm not mistaken, got drafted by the Titans in the uh, seventh round. Again, I don't have all the information in front of me, but I remember that much. And uh, Yeah, this he, will be his fifth year, if you count 2015, 2016, 17, 18. Yeah, this is going into year five for him. Okay, so year five for him, um, a guy that, you know, just adds some competition at the receiver position for uh, training camp. Uh, again, don't think he'll make the team um but uh, again like i think i looked at his resume he has been on some practice squads so i think he's a practice squad eligible player so uh these are guys at best i'm thinking uh, are practice squad guys but that's just my two cents insurance policies essentially right it adds depth because well you don't really need it with a receiving core as i've addressed time and time again <laughs> and as far as on the d-line it, it just it's literally adding bodies because, you know, for those that aren't aware that may not be listening to this podcast in the state of Florida that are that familiar with Florida weather, there's hot and there's humidity and then there's hot and humid put together. And then there's Florida. Right. Like it's the stages of hell. We're like the seventh ring of hell. It just gets no worse than this here. Right. And so I becomes... remind you when we have a stadium, a dome stadium, too, that don't help. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So for training camp, you're outside middle of the day. Even in the early mornings at like eight, nine o'clock, it is still like 85 degrees right. and quickly rising. And you take in consideration field temp is probably in the high 90s if it's like 85. 
So the point is it becomes really, really hot. Players have to hydrate. This is just adding depth in case somebody catches a cramp, is mm-hmm. out for whatever reason due to conditioning. You're not suffering. You're not scrambling to go pick up somebody. It's just, right. all right, we'll bring you in. We'll see what we can do with you. Maybe you impress. Mm-hmm. We'll move you to the practice squad, or maybe you can impress good enough where you can get some preseason run. Right. And see what you do in preseason. Boom, boom. It's no harm, no foul. We're just making moves and adjusting based off of minicamp. Yeah, I mean, and, and the defensive tackle position is a place or a position where you endure a lot of injuries. It's a, a strenuous position on the body. Anywhere in the trenches is strenuous. It's the offensive line, defensive line, and for running backs and fullbacks. So, you, I guess, like, it's just, you know, one of the things you can't – you can never have enough defensive tackles heading into training camp because – as I said, like it's just a stressful position on the body, especially nose tackles. So that's that. Yeah, that's basically what that is. And outside of that, there's nothing too much going on. However, the team did announce the training camp dates and the rookies will report first, as always. And that will be July 22nd. The vets will roll in two days later on the 24th. After the veterans get there, the first practice will commence on the 25th of July. Three days later, they finally put on some pads, and we get to start seeing something interesting. And that, of course, is July 28th. And then, interesting here, this year the Jags will be holding joint practices with um, their favorite team to see in London, the Baltimore Ravens. And that will take place <laughs> over the course of two days in August, the 5th and the 6th. And by the point, by the time we reach that point, we're guaranteed at least one or two brawls because people will be tired of hitting each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll give it to Jacksonville. In the last few uh, joint practices they had, they've they've maintained themselves well. You know, they they went out of town. At last year it was the Vikings, and um, as my high school coach used to tell us, when we go out of town, act like you got some GD sense. So <laughs> they've been yeah, like embarrassing that. me. Right, right. So uh, when they went to Minnesota, it was all well. They they act like they had some sense. I think last before that. I think it was Tampa came to us. And yeah, then, Tampa came to us. Okay, so we it wasn't any fights then. Um, although I do remember Gerald McCoy uh, getting hurt, but I don't think it was, like, intentional or anything like that. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, even though the, the Ravens are a hard-nosed team, they're a rugged team, I think we'll go over there and uh, act like we got some sense and let bring me, everybody back in that. one piece. You know, it hopefully. may not necessarily be fights between each against the uh, the Ravens. It, there's also the high possibility for infighting because again, by the time you reach August, you have spent basically three weeks, two weeks, July. Yeah, you spent about two weeks of hitting the same person over and over and being trapped in close quarters. It gets tiresome. It does. I remember in high school when they used to legally let you have something like training camp in the summer in high school. Like it, it just in, in the middle of the summer, especially in South Georgia and Florida, it's just so hot. It's like, OK, I'm tired of hitting this guy over and over. I'm tired of going up against Brandon Linder every day in practice. I'm tired of going up against Janik and Gakwe every day in practice. You might you might not necessarily tee off on one of the, the important people on the team, but you know, scuffles happen. It's football. That's that's football yeah. for you. I'm tired of doing this drill over and over because you can't get your foot right the first <laughs> right. five times we've done it. Right. And it's really just becoming annoying because I've been trying to get to the locker room already and now I gotta sign autographs on top of this. So it happens. Yep. 
And that's that's all the uh the Dante Fowler and Yannick Ngakwe thing probably was last year was they were hot, mad at each other, wanted to get off the field and you know, words were exchanged and you know, thankfully nothing bad came out of it. Yeah, pretty much. It's friendly competition. That's all. Yep. So yeah, um that that is the quick hits right there by Jacob. Um again, didn't have much to say. Hopefully, um, like we said, uh, we'll have a successful training camp. Of course, the Jaguars Wire will be there in attendance. Um, last year, we attended a session. Hopefully, we'll be able to attend more um, from the sidelines or with the fans. It really don't matter. It's going to be hot regardless of where we are. <laughs> it really don't matter. So, uh, But, yeah, hopefully, we'll be able to provide you all quality content as we did with OTAs and minicamp. So, uh, the first topic at hand uh, we only got two here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're going to get into, of course, uh, this week, not too much going on, but Telvin Smith was fined 88K, well, 88.5K, a little bit over that. Uh, he was fined that this week for missing mandatory camp, voiced his displeasure with it. He also said it was all love as well. Um, and, uh, you know, his comments were as followed. Uh, oh, y'all thought this was a game. Then a whole bunch of explanation marks. Uh, you say you want to sit out and get your life right, uh, dot, dot, dot. They say nah. And then uh, he says F-U-C-K or F-C-K. I forgot how he spelled it, but he misspelled the F word intentionally. Need I remind you, uh, F you pay me is still love. So, Jacob, that being said, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Telvin Smith? Uh, and his comments that he took to Instagram with about being fine, and were the Jaguars right or wrong for finding him? Uh, me and you had a conversation about this before we came on the air. This is it's complicated at best, right? Like people use the word situationship. This is a situationship in the sense of football. Because Telvin doesn't show up for voluntary, doesn't say a word, nobody knows. Only him and Jalen are the only two missing. Jalen is like, hey, yeah, spending time with my family. Bye-bye. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Right. And they're like, cool. Thanks, Jalen. We see you're working out. All right, cool. Telvin, where are you? Nothing. Telvin comes out a little bit after and basically says, look, man, I have real-life problems going on here. While I love football and it's afforded me this luxury of life and this level of life, it's not the end of the world for me. I have real life issues, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. It's none of our business. Right. Absolutely not. And I made mention of this before. We were like, well, what's going on with Telvin? Is he holding out for the contract? I was like, let's assume the man's dealing with some personal stuff. Right. Who am I to sit here and tell him what to do? Yeah, he says so, he's getting his uh, in the Instagram post and I don't have it in front of me. But he said he needs to get things right with himself, his family, and um, so on and so forth. So it's right. not like a world of things are going on with him. Yeah. And again, all the best to Telvin. Hopefully he can work through whatever it is that he's dealing with. Right, right. Which Absolutely. Brings me to th- which brings me to the point of the man tell, told you, I am not playing football in 2019. I have no intention of coming back. None whatsoever. I am taking the whole entire year off. Period, point blank. There's nothing. He left no gray area. He left no, well, I hope that I can work through this matter so I can return to Jacksonville as soon as possible. No, it was like, hey, I'm not playing football. 2019, period. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I have real life problems. 
So at that point, Telvin Smith is a non-factor. He's not one of us. It's the old saying of, I can only go to war with those that are here with me. Right. While Telvin, we love you. We appreciate what you're doing. You're not here, so I'm not concerned about you. That's how I would view it, and I wouldn't find the man. Because I told you, I'm not coming to play. So at this point, he technically he is on your roster, yes. Right. And if you put together a 53-man roster, even though he said he's not going to play, you're probably still going to give him one of those 53 spots. Because he's arguably the fifth best player on the defense right now. Well, I don't know. Like, I, I think in, in in that situation, when we're looking into the regular season, I don't think they give him a roster spot. But for right now with the, I, what is it, 90 people that you could have in the training camp? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they absolutely don't mind keeping him there on the 90-man roster. And excuse those background noises. That's my phone with reminders. But, um, yeah, I think they keep him on the 90-man roster. But after that, you know, like, especially in today's day and age where 53 spots isn't enough, really. Like, you know, we, we've heard the NFL and especially coaches petition for, like, can we get, like, three to five to six more spots? You know, like, because, I mean, injuries occur so much, they already don't have enough space on the roster. So you would think they're probably not going to – carry him onto the the 53 but that's just my personal take but go hold on yeah let me see here real quick because i'm looking at this in regards to the 53 man roster essentially if he doesn't make it the team has to either cut him release him waive him however you want to frame it Mm -hmm. because he has to either take up a roster spot or he's no longer a jacksonville jaguar there are exceptions which come which Gets me to my next point of, okay, he's not playing football. He's not quote-unquote injured, and I really don't want to describe what he's going through as an injury, but Mm -hmm. for the sake of ease for people to understand it, he's he's not there. So let's treat him as if he's injured, basically. So you give him a roster spot, and then you just go, okay, I'm just going to eat the roster spot. In case he comes back or whatever, at least I and also it's a I own his rights. I can control Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith can't go and decide. You know what? I feel good, man. I'm gonna go play football. Oh, I'm a free agent. Oh, are the Patriots gonna make another run? Oh, I'm gonna go up to New England to go join Brady and Belichick. Right. So it's protect. It's protecting you by keeping him on the 53 man roster. Right. Can they like designate him to like I don't know like and I'm not the best person to ask about like i'm more so the guy that you ask about schematics and what's going on on the field but you know is it could they like list him as a retiree or something like that and not use a roster spot just so like when he comes because like basically you remember when calvin johnson left you know basically calvin Mm -hmm. johnson can't just come back and up and and say i'm going to the patriots the the lions still have his rights somehow and I, I forget how they designated him, but when he didn't play, they, it's probably a way the Jazz can designate Smith without taking a roster spot. But at the same time, they still own his contractual rights. But then at the same yeah, time, they, they can, can also free up the money that he would make, too, which is another subject for another time because Yannick Ngakwe needs that money or Miles Jack. But I think like it's a way they can go about doing it where he don't take a roster spot, kind of like Calvin Johnson's situation. <laughs> Yeah, I just looked up all the possible NFL lists that mm-hmm. you can play somebody on. Right. You have the pup list 
and for Telvin, the pup does not apply because the pup is for somebody who gets injured between training camp and the preseason, and you're not cleared to play right. by the start of the regular season. So that does not apply for Telvin, which then moves us down to the non-football injury list. And that's basically if you tweak your back, bending over to pick up um, pick up luggage, a la Steve Nash, or if you fall off a hoverboard, if you're playing with the kids, you slip, you know, whatever random little thing that happens to you during the offseason. Right. And it injures you to the point where, let's say you tear a rotator cuff, your ACL, something, you crack a rib, whatever. You can't, you're not good to go right. by the start of the season. So that, so boom, we put you on that. Cool. All right. Nope. Doesn't quite apply. Because it has to be something physical. And again, this is more so of a personal matter, of a life matter. Right. And then we go to the IR list. So you stick on injury reserve, which looking through the rules that I see in front of me, there's nothing that says, like, why you're put on, like, what you can and can't put on the IR list. Because mm-hmm. you can put any number of players on. Putting him on IR doesn't count against your 53-man roster. Right. Counts against your salary cap. So that's the argument of, okay, we'll put him on IR. We still keep his rights. Mm-hmm. He's still signed to us, but he's not taking up a roster spot. So you can do that. You have IR designation to return. Telvin said he's not coming back. Don't even bother with it. Right. At least for and 2019, then, he said. Right. At least for 2019. And then we get to the reserve slash suspended list which is the players who have been suspended by the NFL. You're not eligible to be put on the pup list unless you are already injured. And then reserve list is essentially we're just putting you off to the side to keep your roster. We're keeping your rights, basically. Right. It's almost like a franchise tag. Right. So that's where you think it so goes. You could put it on the reserve slash suspended list because, honestly, it would not surprise me if Tom Coughlin just came out halfway through minicamp and was like, we're suspending Telvin Smith for the whole entire season. He has not shown up to minicamp. We have not communicated with him. His behavior is not forthcoming a professional football player. Boy, <laughs> that, that would be a little extra. Some... Yeah, that wouldn't That's be necessary to say. But he might do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reason I say that exact phrase is one, it's Coughlin's favorite. Two, that I'm may have up to be what he has. Yeah, that may have to be what he has to say to protect him and the front office on right. their end and that allows him to suspend Telvin and to place him on that list. Right. Right. Yeah, basically I was trying to research what what list Justin Blackman was on because he's basically like if you like year by year if you look at Justin Blackman as a player in terms of his listing, you always find him on like this this other list that the Jaguars have at the bottom of their roster, but they don't have it here right now. They just have a reserve injured uh injured player list. And reserve slash injured list, which I would think is the wave slash injured list because the only person that's on it is Cody Brown. But, yeah, it's been years past where I've seen Justin Blackman off to a separate list, meaning he can't just up and come back and go to another team. So, like you said, that's probably what they're going to the approach they're going to take with Telvin. And then there's one last list with Telvin, and that's. Coughlin can call the league office and hey and say, Hey, Goodell, can you just stick him on the on your exempt list? Right. And then that just sits him there and freezes him basically until Goodell says, All right, you know what, we can take you off the list. 
So, but I feel like the Jags will probably put him on the reserve suspended list. Go ahead and suspend him for the year. Yada, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. It's all smoke and mirrors to put on the show to keep his rights and to save face. But have you, but all this is to go back to the original question of should they have fined the man 89,000? No. No. What, what, why are you finding a man who told you, I'm not going to be here? I understand he is under contract. It is mandatory camp. I get that. If we're taking, if we're looking at it purely in black and white, he's under contract. We have mandatory minicamp. He didn't show up. Here are the penalties for not showing up. So thus, we have to enforce that penalty. Cool. Boom. Got it. However, life in football, not black and white. There's a little bit of gray area. This is gray area. This is where you get ugly and you get stuck in murky waters and it becomes a matter of well, he didn't show up. <laughs> Technically, he didn't show up, so we have to find him. Yeah, but here's the human element. The man is going through personal problems. I keep harping on personal because it's not like he's just like, man, I'm just not playing football this year. I just don't want to. Right. Or I don't feel it. He literally is like, yo, I need to go get my life and my family right. 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 And th- this is so, another thing. It's funny you said that because like, that made me think of this. Like, w- This is the thing about th- the situation he's in. How do they know? I mean, and not, again, it's kind of, and like you say, it's it's gray, murky water. It's not, it's kind of not their business. But how do they know for sure what the deal is with him that, you know, that the matter is personal or what have you? I mean, yeah, he said it, but can they just go off of that? And I say that to say this, maybe that's why they're finding him because they don't, they, they've been, it's been such a lack of contact that they really don't know what his case is. Yeah, sure, he's told Todd Washington, spoke to, uh, several players, Miles Jack, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, those guys. But that's between him and them. You know what I'm saying? I, not for the team. So maybe that's a reason they saw fit to find him is, is what I'm saying. I hear that. But here's the argument to it. And I'm let me just make this clear now. I'm not comparing these two things. I'm not saying that I'm aware that this is going on with Telvin. Right. It, look at it like this. If I tell you I have mental health problems, I'm very depressed, or I can't function right. I have OCD, whatever. I have some mental health issue where I can't fully function up to a societal status, and I'm using air quotes around that phrase. Mm. Who are you to tell me that I don't? Because then it goes, okay, so you don't believe me. You're calling me a liar. You're questioning my character. And I can legit have these problems. And if I have to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop to show you that I have these problems and to explain it, nobody looks good in the end. Right. And then now I feel like I can't trust you. I can't work for you. I can't play football for you because you don't have my best interest because you're sitting here thinking he don't want to show up. He don't want to come. He's just over here faking it, man. Find him. Like he'll show up. Right, you keep right. taking money out of his pocket. He'll show up. And and this is the thing. I'm not saying Telvin is is fibbing here or you know right. being extra here i'm not saying that by any means i'm just saying like you know maybe that's how the other side of this spectrum is looking at it maybe but i mean and, and again no, no, like you know telvin has never gave given them a reason to, for them to not believe him but still like it's just that possibility you know like i mean i i mean we don't know what kind of conversations have gone on between the two sides in the past but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's willingly you know, fib to the the front office in the past, but you know, 
That's neither here nor yeah, there. That, yeah, that's my whole argument is he's been, from what we tell, can tell, completely honest and straightforward with right. the team. So it's just like, mm, at some point, either they're going to force Telvin to address it. And if I'm Telvin's agent, publicist, if I'm in that circle, put your phone down, keep your mouth closed, focus on your personal. If right. it comes to the point, we'll handle the statement, we'll go through us. Like, there's no need to drag you into this unless we absolutely have to. If I'm Coughlin and company, people already think that you're a little out of touch, I guess would be the best way to put it. That you're a little insensitive to certain things that... You can argue that this has become a softer culture or whatever. This has become a more evolved culture in life. Like, we're learning that things, you can't go around calling people slurs, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. You can't go around insulting such and such things. It's growth. It's natural evolution. The same applies to football and how you run things, which Coughlin is slowly catching up to. But now you're looking bad, and people are already thinking that the front office isn't that great and that right. there's... Right issues or however you want to put it. Right. So at what point do you just go, okay, we find them once, we'll suspend them, we'll be done with it. Right. Just like at what point does Coughlin and company do they come off their high horse almost? Do they put their guns down and go, all right, this this isn't going to look good, this isn't working. Is it going to take Con stepping in? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, and I will say this from the fan perspective, a lot of people that have commented on this really don't i i guess you could say really nobody's really upset that they find him but at the same time and i'm a, i'm kind of with them on this i'm not upset that they find him but at the same time it it was it didn't it wasn't something they had to do i guess you could say so i don't know man like it's it's like it's the on the fence type of thing but i mean personally i guess i would say this if i was in the front office personally um i wouldn't have find him but at the same time, I'm not like necessarily mad that they did. Uh, but again, it's it's an on the fence type of situation, like you said. Yeah, and here's another thing. This is just me being me. If you're gonna find a man, cool. What are you doing with that 90k? Right. That's and that, I think like, that's the big argument here. Is like, what does that 90k really achieve for the team? You know what I'm saying? Like, d- does okay. Khan need an extra 90k in his pocket? No. You know, like I, I think, and I've looked at it from that perspective. Like, so okay, if you're gonna find him, cool, whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah, not really happy about it. Whatever. If you're gonna find the man, ninety k. Let's assume that they know what is going on with him to some extent, more than what they're letting publicly know. Right. Be known. <laughs> if you're gonna find the man, ninety k, take that ninety k and go donate it to something. Yeah, I would. I mean, like, I would like to see that, or give him a choice to to send it to a charity of his choice you know what i'm saying just to yeah to make it not look so bad you know i exactly. guess you could say you're going to get here's the thing they got lucky when they find him the 90k this week because you had game seven of the stanley cup going on you had the nba finals wrapping up the women's world cup had just started the college world series was about to get started you got caught in that perfect storm of normally it's the dog days where it's just dead sports wise Mm -hmm. so you got caught right in that perfect window where you had two other major sports and a huge sporting event to the rest of the world and to america because we're actually good in the sport referencing women's soccer where this kind of got swept right underneath the rug because nobody's watching nfl network like that nobody's watching nfl live really that much 
but promise you, once training camp starts, it there's nothing that you can hide it by. It's literally baseball, and at that point, the All Star break is going on or close to it. So you have baseball and you have football training camp, and everybody's going to give football precedent. So now you have to be weary of what you do with Telvin Smith because that is going to come to the forefront because everybody's focused on the money you just gave Nick Foles. Because you always claim we're just a quarterback away. So now we're going into training camp, getting ready for season. You got your quarterback. Everybody's focused on Jacksonville. Here comes the Telvin Smith Smith issue. What are you going to do? You can't keep binding them because then it becomes a bigger hit. And like I said, you either stick to your guns and make this look worse than what it needs to be. Or you back up or you find some solution in the middle. I think like like we were referring to the list, uh, the the various lists before I think at that point when training camp starts, they just, you know, they just go ahead and put them on a designated list before training camp starts. Therefore, like you don't have to keep finding the guy and it's not a a distract, especially to avoid it being a distraction. Just go ahead and designate him to a list if you can at that point. And I I think you could designate him to a list so he won't have to continue to get fined and just say, you know, look, hey, look, he could come back. But if he does come back. Look, we're going to address this. We're about to nip this in the bud now. You're going to this list. So don't try and come back. If I mean, if that list forbids you to come back, you know, this is it. If you want to come back, make a decision now, which we totally understand. You're taking care of your family, this, that and the other. You do that. But we got to put we got to designate you. We got to put you somewhere before training camp begins, because we don't want this to be a distraction. We don't want to continue to find you. And, you know, we want to address this right now. So. My big question is, if he's upset about this, it may a part of me, and I've said this on Twitter various times, uh, it may, a part of me wonders, like, would he be upset if the Jaguars, or, or should I say, do he does he feel like he's going to sit at home and still get paid just based off of his reaction? You know, like, a part of me wonders, like, where, where his mindset is heading forward. Okay, that's a fair question. Here's my logical question does he care if he gets paid uh, I think he obviously his, cares because he took to to Instagram to complain about getting fined to 80k so right here's my here's the counter to that I don't think he so much cares if he gets paid I think that Instagram res- response was like yo again like 90 grand like you just find me 90 grand when I told you I can't be there it's like me calling out of work are putting off, requesting off a day well in advance, you going, okay, we're aware of it, and then me not showing up to work that day, and then you giving me points for not going to work, right. and I'm sitting here like, no, I told you, you you were aware of it well in advance, so I don't think he cares if he gets paid, and honestly, probably how his contract was set up, I don't think he gets paid unless he shows up. Right. So yeah, and he's got all his guaranteed money. I would assume because it wasn't but like fifteen million guaranteed. Are the, so. are the bulk of it at least? Yeah. Right. So um, that being said, you know, uh, only time will tell what they do with that situation. Uh, but I mean, I, I have heard the Jaguars fans loud and clear that at least the ones that have responded, a lot of us are like, "What did he expect?" And I, I think a lot of that is because Tom Coughlin is in the office. So I uh, will see. We shall see. Um, that being said, next topic at hand. 
uh, is we're going to review the receiver's position. I was going to do some questions uh, like I did in the past two podcasts, but I, I forgot to ask in advance for the questions, so I didn't tally up enough questions from um, everybody that reads the Jaguars wire. So I'll do that next week and kind of continue that trend going as I have the previous two podcasts. Uh, but that said, yeah, we're going to take a look at this receiver's position, who makes the team, and, and what – Will the group look like in totality uh, when week one of the regular season comes through? So um, my first question, and I'll answer it as well, but I'm going to let um, Jacob go first. Um, could Chris Conley, uh, and I know you've been working a lot too, so <laughs> I'm, I should have probably got with you on this uh, to see if you've been watching or reading a lot on Chris Conley, but could he be the Jaguars' number one receiver heading into the regular season? And I ask that because Marquise Lee is going to miss roughly two weeks of training camp he's going to come into training camp late uh it probably will be hard to get in sync with Nick Foles at that point which is a big part of this and Chris Conley is already in sync with Nick Foles and he's a guy that knows Nick Foles from Kansas City they played together and Chris Conley was the standout of OTAs and minicamp although that was just in pads but what's your outlook on Chris Conley uh in terms of when training camp rolls around, you do you think he's the number one? And do you think he'll be the number one when the regular season begins? I mean, okay, it's mini camp. Everybody looks good in a t-shirt and shorts. That's, That's just not true. That's in the, in years past, they've looked bad with Blake <laughs> Bortles behind. <laughs> I'm just saying that. That's not throwing shade at Blake. Okay, but I'm Let just saying like you. everybody looks good. You look good in t-shirts and shorts with a competent quarterback. Is that right? Better? Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think I've ever heard of the guys under Aaron Rodgers having a bad OTA or a minicamp phase, so that's fair. Yeah, and let's see. He was a stud coming out of Georgia. He has potential. Just looking through a couple quick notes on him, do I see Conley being the number one? No. Well, no. Why I don't see him being the number one? Because look who you have in front of you. You still have... Westbrook, you have Chark, you have Cole, you have Marquise Lee when he comes back. If anything, he is taking reps away from mm, Westbrook or Cole. One of them, he's probably going to end up taking reps away if he continues on this current trajectory. Because potentially, eh, maybe maybe he gets one. Maybe Marquise Lee comes back and isn't Marquise Lee is a little shaky. That's cool. Because I mean, we never about s- chart though. You think you don't think he's over? Like me personally, I think he's over at least Chark and Cole because of experience. And he is aside from Lee, he's the oldest receiver on the. Although he hasn't necessarily started the same amount of games as Lee has, he is the ne- the second oldest receiver. And the second most experience. Yeah, that's true. But also, he hadn't played as much like you just said. Mm-hmm. And he may be familiar with Foles, but let's mm, let's see. Conley is six three. Chark is six four. Conley is quote unquote bigger than Chark. I don't know about that one. Yeah, you know what? They the same dude. And it's funny you mentioned that. I want to chime in on that. Chris Conley and DJ Chark are the same receiver. And the funny thing about it is when Chark was coming out of college, guess who he was compared to? Conley. Chris Conley. They basically the same receiver. I think like in terms of weight, uh, Conley has like a good five pounds on him, but 
they're essentially the same receiver, at least in my book. Yeah, so I mean, no, I just I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Talk to me in a couple of weeks once we get to um, training camp, and we'll see how that shakes out. Right. And honestly, I don't see Marquise Lee as the number one because Marquise Lee plays better when he's not the number one receiver. Right. That's fair. That's fair. And, and that's all the more this- reason to put Conley in. You know what I'm saying? In that spot because some people think Lee would flourish as a, which we'll get into Lee later, flourish in the slot. Yeah. Because yeah. he did his best work with the Allen brothers. But right. I mean. Just honestly, looking at this receiving core, do you have a number one receiver? No, nah, I don't think. Well, I, I guess I use that term the wrong way. I don't. I think they know they don't have a quote unquote number one guy, a um, a DeAndre Hopkins, so to speak. However, I, I mean in terms of status on the depth chart, like literally, who's the the best guy of this group is what I should say. For mm. in terms of the word number one, and I mean technically, yeah, that's D.D. Westbrook. You know, in terms of I was going to say that's Westbrook, right? But if you're looking at it, I think personally, when it's all finished and said and done, I think we're looking at in terms of again ranking on the depth chart. We're looking at like Westbrook and Conley, in my opinion, as the one and two, or either Westbrook and Chark as the one and two, and then the number three will be. One of those guys, whoever didn't make it into one and two, obviously. So I think the top three to some capacity and personally, in terms of my personal ranking, I'm going to say Chark, uh, uh, Conley, Conley, number one, Westbrook, number two. So that's your split in and flanker. And then Chark is the number three. But I mean, we already just based off of this, looking at it, I can already tell one thing already. We're going to see a heavy rotation at the receiver spot. And I think they're going to take a page out of Philadelphia's book. Philadelphia, yeah, they have in terms of stature. Alshon Jeffrey has the body and, and the, the size you want in the number one. But really, they are a committee approach. Uh, I mean, and actually, Zach Ertz is their best receiver, if you're being honest about it. But in terms of their receiving core, guys who have wide receiver next to their name on the depth chart, they're a committee, basically. And I think that's what we're looking at here is a, a committee approach, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, here's the thing. You got 20 um, members of the receiving core on roster. When you when I see that you have 20, I don't care at what point in time it is, that tells me that you don't trust them. It's the, it's basically if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, I think like it's not so much they don't trust them. I think they don't trust – they don't know what they have behind these proven guys or these guys that's been on the roster before, so – and we're going to talk about that also. But behind those three, and, and Cole as well, and Marquise Lee, behind those guys, it's like, who who's the number five or six? You know? So That's kind of what I'm looking at. It's like, yeah, you don't know what you have, and you feel like you have nothing. Because even if you didn't know what you had, if you felt like there was something there, you wouldn't be this deep with receivers. So if we're looking at the depth chart and how I see it breaking down, Marquise Lee, Westbrook, Cole, Chark and Conley flip-flop for four and five. And then you keep um, Terrell Pryor, who we'll get into in a little bit, as your last option. Right. So, yeah, speaking of which, we'll go into that, actually. Not Pryor, but Marquise Lee, who you mentioned. Um, Again, I said he'll miss or 
at least Keenan McCardell say he'll miss roughly two weeks of training camp, so he'll come in there midway through. And that's my big thing with ranking Marquise Lee so high. I can't do it. I can't do it because he's coming into training camp so late with the quarterback he's unfamiliar with that he's never played with, for one. And it's just hard to see him getting in sync that quick. And you don't even know if he's going to be back in two weeks. You know, he might have some uh, some delay in his rehab or whatever the case may be. And then even when he gets on the field, you know, he's not going to be in performance condition. Of course, he's going to be rehabbing and doing work on the side fields, but it's a whole different thing when you're on the field practicing hard like the the starters. So, like, it's just hard to see him atop the depth chart. I mean, of course, I think they keep him on there, especially if he's healthy enough to go. They keep him on there, and they don't put him on reserve. But that's a possibility, too. He could go on reserve. But I just think with with Lee, he it's no way that he can end up, in my personal opinion, as the number one or two, and maybe even not the number three, coming into training camp that late what say you on that okay that's fair all right now this is the counter to that healthy mark easley is he better than keelan cole mm, yes or no no i mean yeah barely, healthy. barely. they both they the same receiver oh. they both can't catch and they're both guys that yes or no barely yeah barely healthy mark easley better than dj chart overall total package no Healthy Marquise Lee better than Chris Conley? Uh, I don't think so. Healthy Marquise Lee better than Westbrook? Absolutely not. Okay. So, by your own admission, he is sitting at third best. Right. But Now, here's the counter to that. He is also the most seasoned one here. While you can argue that Conley has been in the league for four or five years... This is Chark second. I believe this is Westbrook second or third. Mm-hmm. This is Cole. Cole's riding around the same boat with them. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't care how trash you are. You are still high level and you still got quality NFL reps. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why he's on the NFL roster. He was a third option between two receivers who were basically 6'4", 6'5". They were more or less freaks of nature mm-hmm. for the most part. Who are you talking about? Conley? Oh, you're talking um, about her. referencing Hearns and Robinson. Yeah, you can make that argument for Conley too. He well, in terms of him being under two freaks in nature, those being yeah. um, uh, what's the Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. At oh, least yeah, for I the, mean, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: Marquise Lee still saw the field. This is the point. That's I mean, Conley hasn't cut through to see the field. I can I couldn't tell you anything that comes my, off the top of my head. My counter to that is. And I've always this is something I stuck too hard in my articles. Yeah, Conley hasn't doesn't have the experience Marquise Lee has. But need I remind you another thing about Marquise Lee is he's coming into a new offense as well that he hasn't really seen snaps on the field physically. Yeah, while he might be looking at the playbook, he has yet to take a snap under John DeFilippo's scheme with Nick yeah, Foles, right. who who knows the. I think Nick, we can, everybody can go on record for saying Nick Foles knows this playbook better than anybody because of his history with John DeFilippo. Chris Conley is coming from a scheme that's in that tree, the from Andy Reid's tree. As we all know, John DeFilippo is, I guess you could basically say he's kind of like a disciple of Andy Reid, even though I don't know that he necessarily coached under him, but he's from that tree. He's from that uh, Frank Wright tree. Uh, that I guess everybody that's under Andy Reid, basically Frank Wright, uh, Doug Peterson. 
I think John DeFilippo is in that tree. So that being said, Chris Conley is coming from an offense that is very identical to what the Jaguars are probably going to do or very identical to, you know, the Eagles tree and the, the Kansas City Chiefs tree, which is where he's coming from. So I think, like, he's just – and it's showing. Like, he – in terms of OTAs, and I haven't been there in many camp, but a lot of people are saying he just looks like he knows what he's doing more than any receiver there. And it's hard to imagine Marquise Lee being to, being able to overtake that after coming into like camp late and having to learn a new system and having to learn from a, a or have to get his his uh get in sync with the new quarterback. Yeah, you're 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 fair. That's right. Fair argument. Here's the basically for me what I'm valuing more here are actual routes when the lights are on when it matters. Right. That's fair. Because you, you can that. you can understand the playbook better than me, but God knows that those lights come on and you can't perform, it means nothing. I will reference Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. The boy could ball up from all reports he could play in practice. Right. Whatever reason, when them lights came on, he could not get the playbook right and he basically had to improvise more or less. Right. That's true. Your provision is only getting you so far. I'm not saying Conley will underperform when the lights come on. We don't know. There's not enough there to know. Right. There's a reason he stuck around for four or five years, but there's nothing there. So I'm going to take the more proven and quote unquote right. sure thing in Marquise Lee. And plus, when Conley gets his reps in the preseason, he may be looking at what, second string, maybe third string? Maybe he'll get some first string reps, but we'll see. We shall see. I mean, that's that's a fair possibility. You make a point that because, you know, that's what kind of the approach they took with Dante Moncrief last year, you know, and Moncrief was making much more than uh, Conley is. But I'm just me personally. uh, I I just think Conley is probably a top to depth chart at number one or two. And uh, you're going and that's fair. That's fair to do. You're going off of. Uh, I, it's the old saying: the monster you trust against the one that you you, you don't know at all, right? The, or the one that you know yeah. uh, opposed to the one that you don't know at all. So yeah, give me the fair. devil I know. At least I know what I'm getting with Marquise Lee. Right, right. That's fair. That's fair. So that being said, I actually just lost my outline. Here we go. Okay. So uh, next question: How do you uh see the guys that are returning to this equation? Westbrook, Chart, Cole. Um, how do you see them ranking on the depth chart, which we we kind of already address, uh, but like in terms of their placement on the receiver depth chart, how would you personally rank those three guys? I take Westbrook one. I probably take Cole two, Chark three. It's like I haven't seen enough of DJ Chark to right warrant putting him over Cole. Because we all know Westbrook can take a top off whenever he sees fit. Right. Cole isn't too far behind. Cole is also a little... I kind of like Cole a little better between the hashes than I do Westbrook for whatever reason. I don't know why exactly. Mm-hmm. But just watching them, there's something about the way Cole moves that works a little bit better right. than Westbrook. So I'm going to say it's Westbrook, Cole, Shark, I seen enough of Chark to bump him over Cole. Westbrook is a first-round talent. Mm-hmm. Off the field, issues dropped on where he dropped. That's how I'm ranking the ones coming back that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Give me Westbrook first. I trust him to take a top off to find a way to get open. 
give me Cole. He can do his little bit. DJ Chark, I need to see more, basically. Right. Yeah, well, um, I I differ from you with that in, in terms of what you said about Cole and Westbrook. I feel like Cole is a guy that, albeit now Cole uh, or albeit Westbrook ran a 4-3 at his pro day. He didn't run at the combine. Uh, I, I, Yeah, sure. And we've seen him do it at Oklahoma plenty of times. Yeah, sure, Westbrook can take a top off of a defense. But for whatever reason, I feel a little bit different from you on this. I feel like he's better suited as the guy to do all the dirty work. Um, you know, you're short to intermediate routes while Cole is the one that could better serve you as a guy that could take the top off the defense. Uh, but that's just me personally. But if we're ranking these three, I would definitely have to say Westbrook would be my number one uh, from experience alone. And what he did last year, you know, he it's just a promise he's shown and the upside and what he could be that a lot of people are high on. And then for that same reason and. In charts, case he hasn't really shown a lot of upside yet in terms of in the league. But LSU, the guy had untapped potential. I think last year was a flute season for him. He was just trying to uh, fill out the NFL. And a lot of it is he was a rookie. He A lot of the things he did were rookie mistakes. You know, he a lot of drops, a lot of concentration issues, a lot of penalties. I think he's past that. And I think he saw at some point, that young man has to begin to fill out his potential, which is great. That's, I mean, like he had number one draft pick potential coming into the draft. The Jaguars drafted him as a number one receiver and others did too, not just them. So I think he's, you know, he's at least second or third. And then Cole is after them basically. So Westbrook, Chark and Cole in that order, in my opinion. Another thing with Cole, by the way, is Cole showed me, and Keith McCardell actually talked about this and it, it wasn't his fault. He was forced into the number one position or the number two position. Just just know that he was forced to the top of the depth chart last year because of the lead, the entry with Lee. And he showed me like at times he can handle it. But at same at the same time, there were times where he, he didn't do all that well as the number one or number two. So I think it's it's time to see what chart can do, because, I mean, the upside is clearly there. He's younger barely younger not that much younger and he was a higher draft pick so that's kind of why i rank him ahead of cole in terms of that trio of receivers so the last part terrell Pryor, does he make this team in your opinion jacob as a number five to six depending on how many people make it ahead of him um i'll go on and say yes but i want to hear your answer to this who are you putting ahead of Terrell Pryor other than the four individuals we just spent the past 15 minutes talking about? Chris, <laughs> one, two, three, four. So, yeah. So, I I, I miswrote that on the outline. Five. Yeah, he's, I, I meant the four to five, not five to yeah, six. Just, yeah, it's... Right. I'm yeah, just, yeah, you asking me, like, yeah, that, I don't know. Because a lot of the undrafted guys, yeah, I don't... I didn't hear a lot about the undrafted guys. But this is the thing, though. Terrell Pryor has been... A journeyman in all his career. He it's been times where he went into training camp and came out cut, if whatever or whatever the case may be. That's why I asked this question because there no, has been fair, times. It's where a fair he, question to ask, right? But on this roster, you're right. Like who? That's a good question. Like who? We we put who over Terrell Pryor? Okay, look, we for I think everybody's familiar with the story of Terrell Pryor, Ohio State quarterback was looking real good, got some tattoos, boom. boom. 
go supplemental draft. Okay, cool, whatever. You end up in Oakland. Oakland's a mess at that time in 2011, 2012. Right. Whatever. You bounce from John there. John Filippo was there, by the way, at that time. That also helps Pryor's case. There's a little bit of familiarity right, there. I mentioned it. Pryor misses a year in 2014. You go to Cleveland. Hey, man, let's just see if I can get my life back right. And first game, the first year, you played three games. Cool, nothing. 2016, you played 16 games. You started 15 of them. You caught 77 balls, 1,000 yards. You averaged 13 yards of reception. You had four touchdowns. With you the Browns, couple- right? Yeah, with the Browns. Under this John Filippo again, by the way. This this was the year the Browns had no quarterback. Right. Right. And and um again on Filippo, when he played with him with the Raiders, that was as a quarterback. The second time that Jacob's talking about where he had the crazy season as a receiver, that was as a receiver. So yeah. it's worth mentioning that he played for Filippo under two positions, by the way. So I mean he makes it. If anything, this is what you can do with Terrell Pryor. This is the luxury of somebody having somebody like Terrell Pryor. Mm-hmm. You can literally scheme a certain set of plays for him where you can move him to quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And not only that, his size, like he's the biggest receiver on the depth chart. In turn, I mean, now, if you're not including the tight ends, let's see. He's Yeah, he's 6'4". They got chart listed at 6'4". 198 i think chart more along the line of 63 uh but yeah prior 64 228 so in that's terms just of, say he's 228 he's outweighing everybody right except no he's got at least 15 pounds on every other receiver if you count the tight ends he's one two three four five he's outweighed by five of the tight ends that we have but of course they're tight ends they have to play on the line as well so right so, yeah, um, the only in terms of your question, which is actually a good question, who can make this team over him? The only guy that might have a possibility, in my opinion, and I think a lot of these other guys could be practice squad guys. But in terms of making a roster and we've talked about this young man in the past with the undrafted guys, Tyree Brady. And he it, now that I think about it, it, there were some times where he's been mentioned in terms of what he did in OTAs and minicamp. But again, the pads weren't on. Uh, it's only so much you could put into that. But Tyree Brady, I said all of that to say this. When he was at Marshall, as all, as we all know, he got suspended from Miami University. Uh, but when he was at Marshall, he was a talented guy. And he was got. I mean, granted, it was Marshall now. And a lot of people would say, you know, the competition level isn't as high as others. But when he was there, he had some qualities. Some I feel like he had like some Alan Hearns like qualities, if you will, in my opinion. So that's why I think he might can make this roster over Terrell Pryor. But if I had to put money on it and I was a betting man, I would go with Pryor because of as me and Jacob has said, he's worked with DiFilippo twice, once as a quarterback and once as a receiver. And also, you look at uh, a lot of people were upset last year in particular uh, when they cut uh, Alan Lazard. Because he was a big body receiver, everybody felt like he should have made the team or at least stayed on practice squad because of his size. Well, Terrell Pryor is a proven veteran that gives them the size of uh, Alan Lazard. And he's a guy that's, you know, that's played under John D. Filippo on top of that. So, like, basically, we could treat him like Alan Lazard. 
that's proven and didn't go undrafted, basically. This is a guy that knows his stuff, basically. So that's why I think he makes the roster. I mean, yeah, it's there's just no reason not to put Terrell Pryor on the roster. Right. Like, it, even if you have to list him as a quarterback, you still stick him on the roster. Oh, he's making it. I mean, well, he's making it as a receiver if he does. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, yeah. like, if you're worried about having too many receivers to list, mm-hmm. just list him as a quarterback. That's true. That's because true. he can he can play quarterback. I wouldn't trust him to play quarterback on a regular consistently, but if you need to pull something out your bag, you have a viable option in Terrell Pryor. Right. And like you made the case, he's arguably the biggest receiver that we have. He's right. 6'4", 228. I mean, that's a big, that's a huge receiver. Yeah. You put him, Chark, you have red zone threats right there. So there's no reason for Terrell Pryor not to make it mm-hmm. unless he just completely stinks up the joint in the next month or so. Right. And you also have Chris Conley as a red zone joint. I mean, as a red zone target. And I say that because he has the highest vertical leap in combine history. Shared a little fact with everybody there. But, yeah, 45 inches. Highest. Yeah. I, I think it's tied for the highest. But still, he's the it's the highest vertical leap in, or vertical jump in combine history. So, yeah, they got they have athletes. Now that I look at this, these five that we spoke on, these five to six, they have athletes, no doubt. Um, don't know if they have a number one, but again, the Philadelphia Eagles have proven that you don't necessarily need that guy. But I guess it's a little different with them because they got hurts. But yeah, but think about it with Nick Foles, and you have these six because I literally just went through and looked at everything. Mm-hmm. If everybody plays out to, let's say your potential is a hundred, if everybody hits like 80, 85, 90, mm-hmm. this is a very dangerous receiving yep, core. Very underrated. A lot of people discounting these young men, and I don't get it. I don't. It's. I mean, yeah, sure, pads haven't gone on, but when you look at just the athletic ability that those six they, offer you, they are fast. They are huge. Yes. They are quick. They are elusive. And you have a. Oh, here's the better thing. You have a quarterback who loves to get out of the pocket and make things happen once it breaks down. Hmm. I'll be, he's not the fastest guy. <laughs> right. But he's always looking downfield. Yeah. That literally plays into Westbrook, Cole. That plays into almost everybody's hand in this receiving court, except you can argue Marquise Lee. Right. But even then, it still kind of works for him. Yeah, so. I mean, because Foles, like, you know, in my opinion, Foles is a guy that when you look at the past, like, at least from the film I saw from, like, last year, he didn't really, to be honest with you, he didn't go deep a lot. Uh, he although again he had the weapons, but he didn't go like super deep a lot. Uh, he's a guy that you know even Lee. You can see Lee, as we all know, thanks to Blake Bortles, Lee had to run a, a boatload of crossing patterns. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's a guy that I can see foes linking up on that short stuff. You know, even him, he's a he's a fit. All my only you know my thing with Lee is he's just coming into camp so late and he's learned a new playbook. But when he gets acclimated. I can understand why he would be a guy that could flourish under Nick Foles and what we've seen in the past out of him. Yeah, so this is – I'm actually praising the receiver core. I spent so long saying this is a bad problem to have with all these receivers. Mm-hmm. It's still a horrible problem to have. But having these six as legitimate options, I feel 100% comfortable with it and have no problem because going back to Terrell Pryor – 
after that Cleveland year, yeah, he had a couple down seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in Buffalo and he was in the Jets. He's That's with, true. <laughs> he, he was with the Redskins for 2017. That's true. Played in nine games. I think he was hurt most of that year. He like got hurt in training camp. It if was I'm not an mistaken. ankle injury. I think he sustained, and he had to go on IR like two weeks into the season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think it kind of bothered him for the next couple of years. And again, he was with the Jets and the Bills. Right. I mean, yeah, and he he just he did. It's funny you mentioned that injury, that ankle injury. He had to have surgery for that. He finally admitted when he got here to Jacksonville, he was like, "This is the first time in years, it's like my ankle's pain free." So, this guy, this is the best he's been in two years in terms of his uh, you know, in terms of being pain free and in physical shape, good physical condition, should I say? Yeah, so I'm expecting 2016 Cleveland Browns, uh, Terrell Pryor. I'm not expecting the past couple seasons. So he makes the roster. Everything is good. And look, the Jaguars managed to put together a competent and potentially highly lethal receiving core. And that's not to mention the potential that Josh Oliver uh, offers, who looked good. Again, they didn't have on pass, but he looked good uh, in phase three. Geoff Swain, who they got in free agency, he looked good as a tight end, and uh, they those two guys even praise Foles. Like a lot of what it is is Foles just throws such a a catchable ball for tight ends that they love him, they love him to death, and that's going to be a key part of the Jags' success at the tight end position too is his ball placement. You know that these guys might not be the fastest or the biggest or the tallest, but I think Foles is going to throw these guys open in terms of not just the receivers, but the tight ends. So people have to account for those guys, too. Again, we'll we'll know more in training camp. Me, Jacob, and Phil will be there sweating and all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, the tight end aspect of this thing makes those guys more dangerous is what I'm trying to say. The guys that we just mentioned in terms of the receivers. Exactly. And, again, we're saying all of this in the middle of June, coming off a of mini camp. Right. <laughs> with no pads. Right. So. We might come back on a, a training camp episode of, of the um, Jags then and be like, oh man, they just look atrocious and terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's just take this with a little bit of grain of salt, but right. looking at potential and how things shape up, it should potentially work out and look good. Right. Because also, this is the same podcast where the three of us. Me, you, and Phil sat here. It was before the 2017 season, and we went through the schedule, and we were like, mm, man, I might see four wins. Yeah. I might see six. So, I mean, again, it's early. Talk to us about mid-August after about week two or three of the preseason. We'll have a better feeling. Right. I'm actually feeling confident, confident going in, looking at how minicamp went. Everything's looking pretty good. Everybody seems to be picking up. The new offense, defense is still just chugging right along like nothing's wrong. So, Right. So, yeah, that's where we are in terms of this receivers core. Uh, that was our actually I think that was our first positional look right there. And I just wanted to do the receivers because I was just looking at them. I was like, this is an interesting group of uh, individuals. So we went with the receivers. Um, we'll choose another position maybe later down the road for the next podcast or a podcast after that. So. All of that said, 
uh, me and Jacob appreciate everybody tuning in once again. You can find our archived episodes as well as this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audio Boom with our USA Today comrades, as well as uh, Radio Public and Deezer as well. And oh, oh, yeah, I just put us on Himalaya, too, which everybody says is like a very good podcast interface. So we're on there, too. It just, it, like we needed to be on another place, but we're there. <laughs> and uh, as I announced <laughs> last week, uh, we appreciate all the listens and the views. Uh, we got up to, according to Audio Boom, um, 22.5K listens in totality. Uh, so we appreciate that. We're moving on up. Somebody need to sponsor us uh, at this point, <laughs> definitely. And um, yeah, so Jacob, man, what, what you got going on in terms of uh, from here on out? Man, um, I'm just trying to get through the ugly lull of travel ball season with the month of June, losing our players to their high school teams for team camps and stuff for the month. So I'm just trying to get through that. Doing a couple writings over at SteelCrew.com, you know, having a few interviews, working on stuff there. Right. And you've been doing and, good work there, by the way. Y'all check that out. He's been he did some on the Ambrose and uh, well Moxley. I'm sorry, excuse me, <laughs> John Moxley and the AEW. Uh, you had some interviews too recently that's escaping my mind. Uh, yeah, I have Shea Serrano. I have the founders of Soul Science, which is a sneaker spray. Basically, it's air freshener for your sneakers, and it also kills bacteria. Great product. I also sat down with Roy Wood Jr., working on trying to get a couple more in and ready to go, locked in the can. So, yeah, I appreciate the love. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I've done two pieces on John Moxley now. I've managed to compare him to Little Wayne during his mixtape run. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I it remember is, reading that. <laughs> it is not as far of a reach as people think. Right, right. I remember that. I was in high school. My favorite mixtape of his, Louisiana Volume 1. I don't, he never made a Volume 2, but that one is my favorite mixtape of Lil Wayne of all time. But I, I might have to say point. drop three. I might have to say drop three. But yeah, then this brings me to the point which kind of is fitting to sum up this episode of the podcast, especially Tyler Smith. Everything is pro wrestling, kids. Everything <laughs> is all pro wrestling. Everything indeed is pro wrestling. So uh, again, shout outs to Phil and uh, happy Father's Day to him. And uh, I hope he enjoyed his Father's Day. And again, shout outs to all the fathers out there that may be listening. Uh, continue to do the great jobs that you all have. Um, in terms of me, uh, what I got going on, it's, it's the dead point of the summer, basically. As me and Jacob said, they've taken five weeks off the Jaguars are. So at this point, uh, the the inner content creator in me has to be channeled. So <laughs> so uh, I have, I'll just have to create some content in the meantime. I don't know specifically what we're going to be writing on. Of course, we'll be writing on things leading up in the training camp and outlook and and this that and the other uh but just stay tuned to the jaguars wire as we'll have uh more content we'll try to get more uh podcast up as well which will be difficult i guess because of the situation with them being off but we'll try and get y'all some more podcasts up somehow create some content please meet you a live mic (laughs) (laughs) yeah that shouldn't be hard right Jaguars is the subject. Oh, come on. Yeah, we'll we'll make up for it. Hopefully, I'll feel on for the ride. And um, that being said, you all have a good night. And of course, as Phil always says, Miles Jack was not down. <laughs> and until next time, y'all take it easy.
beat me to it. 